0: Good morning. Good to see everybody. We're going to continue on in our uh, series through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, So we're in chapter six today. We're going to start chapter six. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And uh, in case you haven't noticed, if you look around, we have our grade schoolers in the room with us today. So uh, thanks for being here, guys. Good to see all you guys. So a little bit more extra wiggles and energy in the room today, which is great. And I'm going to need your help today, okay? Everybody, all, all, my, all my kiddos listening up, can you guys help me with something? There's two things I'm gonna need your help with today, okay? So, so if you're a, a kiddo in the room, or you're an old person who feels like a kiddo in the room, hold up a two, all right, can anybody help me with two things? So number one, all right, number one I need you to do is whenever throughout my sermon today, if you hear the word kingdom, okay, I need you to put a crown on, all right? So can you practice putting a crown on? Or you can do moose ears? It doesn't matter. Just put your hands up, it'll be fun, all right? So that was number one. All right, number two, hold up a two. The second thing I need you to do, I'm going to give three surprises today. I'm going to talk about three surprises. All right, so whenever you hear me give a surprise, you'll see words come up on the screen. I need you to do this. (gasps) Give me your best surprise face. I'm going to count to three, and everybody can do this if you want to, but give me your best surprise face on three. Ready? One, two, three, go. Great job. Great job. More adults and kids, but we'll... We'll get them going, all right? All right, good. So uh, let, me, let me pray for us. Then I'm going to jump in uh, this morning, um, and, and we'll, we're going to talk about Jesus. Okay, so let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for how much you love us. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son on earth uh, to give us these true stories that we get to read from the Bible. Uh, we get to learn about you, about how much you love us. And that we get to see firsthand by stories from your son, Jesus, that you showed your love for us, that while we were sinners and far from you, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins and then to raise from the grave, making it possible for us to know you now and be with you forever. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the last uh, few weeks, uh, my family has been doing something really fun uh, that's been kind of nostalgic for me. Uh, we have found the original three seasons of Scooby-Doo. Okay, so does anybody watch Scooby-Doo? Any, any Scooby-Doo fans in here? I figured this was either going to hit the top age demographic or the lowest age demographic. I wasn't sure about them in-between. But what's fun about the old, uh, the original Scooby-Doo's, I haven't seen any of the new ones recently. But what's uh, been fun is is the original Scooby-Doo's at the end of every episode. Okay, at the end of every episode, they finally catch the villain, Right? One way or the other, you know. Typically, they make a plan and it goes really wrong, but then just by total accident and and you know, kind of through some fun, they catch the villain. And then they they're all crowded around and there's the like law enforcement officer of some kind, like a security guard or the sheriff or a detective. And they're all standing around and they're they're like giving like the explanation of when they take the mask off, who the villain is going to be. Have you guys seen Scooby-Doo, kids? Kids in the room, you seen Scooby-Doo? Okay, so here's what happens. They give the explanation. They're all crowded around. They've got the, you know, the villains, like, all tied up in, like, a rope or, like, in a net or, like, you know, caught up. They're all, like, caught in, like, a giant ice cream vat or something, you know, whatever happens in the episode. They're all crowded around, and they take the mask off, and what happens? It's a surprise because it's never who they think it is, right? They take it off, and on the count of three, give me your best surprise gasp, okay? One, two, three. That's what happens. They go, oh, and then they say whoever the, the person is, Mr. Green, you know, or, or, you know what I'm saying, or like, no, not Professor Watson, or, you know, it's somebody, they can't believe who it was. It's always a gasp, and the, and the villain says, anybody know the tagline, and I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids right but there's always a gasp there's always a surprise when they take the mask off because they 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 thought it was going to be something totally different than what they got they couldn't believe it and in the story today that we're going to read about jesus this true story in the bible we are going to read about three surprises that the kingdom gives us oh Oh, good job. All right, I said kingdom. All right, all right, crowns up. That the ki- I'll say it again so that we're all on the same page. Three surprises the kingdom gives us. Oh, good job. Okay, great. All right, so we're in Mark chapter six. I'm gonna read the first 13 verses, and then, this is great. I was a kid's pastor for four years. Okay, so this is like, this is so fun to be able to do this again. Okay, Mark chapter six, first 13 verses. Whenever you're there, say, got it. Great. So Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the sabbath came he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed where did this man get these things they asked and what's this wisdom that's been given him what are these remarkable miracles that he's performing isn't this the carpenter isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and aren't his sisters here with us and they took offense at him Verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. And he could not do any miracles there except lay a few hands on some sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Verse 7, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the impure spirits. Verse 8, these were his instructions. He said, take nothing for the journey except for a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear uh, wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 12, and they went out and preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil oil and healed them. So the three surprises of the kingdom. Good stuff, guys. This is great. So we kind of have two different stories here packed into this one story. Okay, the first story is in the first 6 verses that we're going to look at. And and the, this is where Jesus goes back to his hometown. Okay? So the town that he grew up in that that he traveled to and he was a little baby after he was born and he lived in for for the first 30 years of his life. Okay, so Jesus goes back to his hometown. He's been traveling around, doing all kinds of miracles, healing people, teaching uh, stories about God and teaching people how to be a good part of God's kingdom. Okay, all right, I, I'll, I won't say it as much anymore. Good job. And, and so he goes around and then he comes back to his hometown and everybody's excited because they had been waiting for this person that they called the Messiah, Okay, That word Messiah means God's chosen one. He was the one who was going to come back to Israel, to his people, and he was going to free them, and he was going to make it possible for them to live in the full presence of God the way they had in the Garden of Eden. So that was Jesus going around, he's healing people, and then he comes back to his hometown. Okay, Now, some of us adults in the room, uh, we grew up in a small town right, where everybody knows everybody. I grew up in a town of like a thousand people. Okay? Like my high school I graduated from had less than five hundred people total for the entire county I grew up in. Okay, so that's not that's not a lot of people. And so when he goes back, he he goes and he and he's and he starts teaching and and they heard him, they were amazed. He goes to so the synagogue, that's the place where on the on the the Lord's Day uh, for them it was Saturday. For us now that Jesus is risen from the dead it's Sunday. So on on Saturday, go to the synagogue, which is where everybody would meet to worship God, like we're doing in church today. And he stood up and started teaching, and everybody was blown away, basically that he like actually knew stuff, right? Like anybody grow up from like grow up in a really small town and have someone go on to do something incredible. Like my I, I personally haven't. Um, in, in our hometown, but my dad grew up in a in a small town and he graduated high school with Travis Tritt, who went on to write one of the greatest country ballads of all time. It's a great day to be alive. Amen. Nobody <laughs> coming, come on. Come on, that was an easy one, guys. Rice cooking in the microwave. Come on. Kids, you'll listen to that on the way home. Alright. Ask your parents to put that on Spotify. So they're looking for the Messiah. I mean, this is the thing they've been waiting on their whole lives. The God's chosen one to come and do something huge and incredible in their town. And then in walks Jesus. Now, in hindsight, for us, 2,000 years later, we know that if Jesus walks into your small town, it's a big deal. But for them, it was something totally different. Right? For them, like they said, they're like, isn't this, like, Joseph's son? Like, isn't this the guy who was the carpenter? Like the guy, the handyman, blue collar worker, you know, no, na- no, like name of great renown, you know. I mean, like I said, in hindsight, you know, we can look back in, in Matthew and in Luke, and we can we can see the the uh, genealogies, right? But they didn't have that; they didn't know. They just thought Jesus was guy down the street. Thought, it, you know, like we know his sisters, like we know his brothers. All right, kids, how many of you guys um, would believe your sibling? How many of you guys have siblings? Raise your hand if you have siblings. Okay? All right, kids. Uh, how many of you guys would believe if your brother or sister came home from school and said, hey, the craziest thing happened today? I met someone, and uh, they're going to give me my own show on Disney Plus. And starting next week, every Wednesday night, you can watch a new episode of my TV show. All right, we'll do uh, interpretation by voting. All right, kids, if you would believe your sibling, give me a thumbs up. If you would not believe them and think they're crazy, give me a thumbs down. Okay, that's what I thought, yeah. All right, so that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus is coming back to his hometown. He's coming back to the people that he grew up with. He starts teaching all these amazing things. He has a following with him. He has disciples now. And everybody's like, what? Like, what is going on? See, the first surprise of the kingdom is that the pedigree of the kingdom, great job, the pedigree of the kingdom is modest great job that was a surprise all right let me say it again words on the screen the pedigree of the kingdom is modest (gasps) yeah big surprise see pedigree what that means is a pedigree is like where you can trace back and look how legit something is like how for real it is like like we have a dog she's a golden retriever but we didn't go through and get all the paperwork done so like we couldn't take her to like a dog show or something but does anybody ever watch the dog show like around thanksgiving and stuff yeah, and they'll talk about the pedigree. Oh, so and so, their mother and father were show dogs, or, you know, or whatever. You watch like horse races or sh- something. like They'll talk about how impressive the like lineage of these people of these like critters are, and why we should think that they're going to do really cool stuff. But for Jesus, it wasn't like that. Like he goes to his hometown, and everybody's kind of like, "What are you talking about?" See, that's a big surprise, because we think in order for something to be good you have to have like a lot of followers on TikTok you know or you got to have a big YouTube channel or you got to have like like a bunch of people like if you walked out on a stage everyone would recognize you but that's just not the case of the kingdom a few weeks ago pastor Fred talked about the kingdom of God but you you can do the crowns if you want to don't feel like you have to okay so like all you type A's I'm releasing you from that you don't have to do but if you want to great I'd love for you to keep doing it if you want to But a few weeks ago, Pastor Fred talked about the kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. It's like the smallest, most like inconspicuous thing that makes one of the biggest differences around them. See, what Jesus is doing, he's coming back into his hometown and he's doing incredible things, but they just couldn't believe it. See, it's interesting, like, they didn't doubt what Jesus was doing, right? I mean, they said, like, and listen to the words that his the words he's teaching they're amazing. I mean he's so I mean he, the words that he's using are so incredible. the The wisdom that he has like where did he get all this wisdom? I mean the word wisdom there is the same word in the Old Testament they use the Torah or Torah. To live a life of Torah is to live a life of God's wisdom, where you live in a right way according and in relationship to God and to other people. They say, man, he's a man of God's word. He's wise. He, the works that he's doing is amazing. The words that he's saying are, are incredible. He's blowing us away. They couldn't deny what Jesus was doing, but they rejected him because they wanted something big and huge and shiny and flashy. The Messiah, God's chosen one, is supposed to be this huge thing that comes in and changes everything, but instead it's just, it's Jesus. Like, man, we, like, like we grew up playing Little League together. You know, like, is Jesus like? Aren't his sisters here with us? Like, they got married and had families just like everybody else. Like his brothers, like we know those guys. Like, like this is Mary's son. See, the people couldn't believe how unimpressive Jesus was at that time to them. They just, they just couldn't believe it. And that's how the kingdom is. That's one of the surprises of the kingdom is that. It's often not these huge, massive, successful things that make the biggest difference, but it's small acts of kindness. It's, it's like in the small acts of God's wisdom and words and works taking place in the world. See, they thought they were going to get this huge military leader, but instead they got Jesus, who was born a baby in a manger in exile. I mean, they thought that they were going to get this guy on a throne— who was holding a scepter but instead they got a carpenter's son who grew up and had rough hands because of the tools that he held there he was doing all the messiah stuff he was supposed to do but they just couldn't see it and they wouldn't buy it and see that's a surprise of the kingdom but here's what Jesus does look, look I love what Jesus does it like didn't bother him you know like no, like notice how it says he couldn't do, verse 5, he couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Like even on Jesus' off day, like he's still doing pretty crazy stuff, you know. Like like our off days are like we spill coffee on the commute to work, you know. And it's like, well, there you, know, there you go. And Jesus is like, oh, man, low day today. I guess I'll just heal some people, <laughs> you know. Like he just keeps doing what he's doing. He's amazed at their lack of. Of faith, so then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. He kept doing what he came to do, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. See, it's interesting because he just talked about, you know, he he quoted a very at that time that was a very famous quote among uh, prophets and rabbis and stuff. For Jesus to say, like a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown. Uh, he was just like basically saying like, yep, the old old adage is true. You know, it's like us saying like an old wife's tale uh, or, or like an old saying, kids, do you have, is there something your parents say all the time like about the weather or something that's like kind of funny? You don't really know what it means. Anybody have a funny saying? You know what my grandpa used to say? He'd say, that makes me happier than a bean bug. I still have no idea what a bean bug is, but I say it now, you know? So that's what Jesus was doing. He was just kind of saying like an old idiom, like, well, I guess this is true, old prophet, you know, or like you hear anybody say like when the leaves the wind's blowing you can see the underside of the leaves somebody says oh it's going to rain you know something like that that's what Jesus is doing so he, so he tells them what to say but so so let's just let's just remember the disciples that are following Jesus okay uh the, we got another surprise coming up all right so get, get your surprise gasp ready sit up straight get some get some good breaths in um, the disciples are following Jesus around and uh he, you know, he sends them out, and we've got to remember, you know, like I said, in hindsight now, it's easy to look back, and, and especially with the book of Acts and the, the rest of the New Testament, it's incredible in, in what the disciples accomplished. But at the time, we've got to remember, they were, they were a ragtag bunch of folks, you know? I mean, you had, like, two brothers, James and John. They called them the sons of thunder. We never really told why, uh, except for, like, they got, would get ahead of themselves a little bit. And they, we know they were mama's boys. Because later in the stories of Jesus, we hear that they got their mom to go ask Jesus, you know, where, if they could sit at the right hand. So, so like, you got two mama's boys. You got uh, Peter, who's a hothead, you know. He, he gets way ahead of himself. Uh, you get this guy, Simon the Zealot. So, to be called the Zealot means that you live your life based on, there were two other people uh, in Israel's history they called the Zealots, uh, Phineas. And Elijah, who took care of business with a sword, and they were like, hey, if anyone is one of God's enemies, foreign or domestic, we'll just wipe them out. Like, that, that's our game plan. So you had, you had that guy who was, like, so serious, Simon the Zealot. They would even, like, move out in the desert and get away from everything so they wouldn't become stained by the culture, you know? Uh, and then you had, a, like, right there with him traveling, like, I wonder if Jesus paired him up with Matthew, who was a tax collector who like would have been seen as someone who was sympathized with the Roman Empire and stole from his own people. So you have two people right beside each other, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector, who lived two very different lives, motivated by two very different things. Jesus is pairing them up together, sending them out two by two. So the second surprise of the kingdom is that the people of the kingdom are average Okay, okay, good, you're with me, good. I mean, like not only were they average at best as individuals, but like even as a team and a group of people, they were far from united at this point. That's why almost every letter you get in the epistles in the New Testament is about like racial and ethnic unity because like even the 12 disciples were not united. I mean, not only were they average but now, like, let's just take a second and let's look around the room. All right, everybody, look to your right. Look at the person to your right. Look at the person to your left. Look at the person in front of you and behind you, and let's all together say, I'm average. <laughs> and that's good news, okay? <laughs> that's good news. I know that's hard to believe, and like, we want to believe like, like we're all going to be stars one day, but like, probably not. And that's okay. Like, that's fine. That's good. That's a good thing because the people of the kingdom are very average people. Do you know some of the people who made the biggest impact on the history of the entire Bible? Some of the people who made the biggest impact in the history of the entire Bible. Okay, so quick, quick side, note, quite like side story, little rabbit trail. Uh, the people of Israel, the, the idea of like a Messiah, a chosen one, was such a big deal because a long time ago before Jesus came, this entire country, the country of Israel, was taken into captivity, okay, in Egypt. Okay, so it's, a, it's out of their country. It's out of their homeland. They're, they're taken into captivity, and there was an evil king who said he was going to kill all of the babies. All the baby boys, he was going to kill them. But there's this group of women, and what they did was, they said, no, no, no. The Bible said that they feared God more than they feared that evil king. And so what they did, they would... They would help the babies be born faster and would save their lives. And there was one baby in particular that they saved and they ended up hiding him and he was found by that evil king's daughter and raised in the palace. And then eventually he took all the people that were, that were in slavery in Egypt and he brought them out and God used that baby to say, when he became an adult to save all of God's chosen people. His name was Moses. Anybody heard of Moses before? Yeah. So what it was, the people of God's kingdom who did something incredible and basically kept the story of God's people going were women who were just doing their jobs. And they did what was right in the eyes of God. See, the the people of the kingdom aren't like extraordinary in any real sense. They're really just like average extraordinarily. They're just doing day-to-day life. They're living the way that they talk to other people, the way that they talk to God and obey him. They're just average people just doing the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing is really, like, is not so average. You know? Like, kids, like, doing doing what's right is sometimes doing what's different than everybody else. But it's just, like, average, normal stuff just doing the right thing. See, that's the people... Of God, the, the, the people of the kingdom are average, just like these disciples that Jesus called to go out. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were, they were husbands. They were, father. they were people who had normal lives just like you and me, just like us. They were kids who, when they were your age, went to school and learned how to do stuff that their parents did. They were just normal people, that God chose them and made them his people. So here's the incredible thing. That not only do we see that the people are average, not only see that the pedigree is is pretty modest, not that impressive, but here's the beauty of it, because if you're hearing this, you're saying, okay, Matt, but like, how do we actually do stuff? Like, how do we actually like follow Jesus and stuff? Look look at verse verses 12 and 13. It says, And they went out, so Jesus sent them out. They went out and they preached that people should repent. That word repent means turn back to God. Okay, so they went out, they preached that people should turn back to God. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So here's the deal. While the pedigree of God's kingdom is not that impressive a lot, a lot of times, it seems very normal and average. And while we, the people of the kingdom, God's people are our average, the power of the kingdom is real. The power of the kingdom is real. See, notice how these average people went out and did stuff that to them was that they saw Jesus do this every day. And he sent them out to do these things. And in the power of Jesus, like those things happened. Like Jesus sent them out to do these incredible things and 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 like it just happened. The power of God's kingdom is, is real. It's real, just like those ladies. In the story of Exodus, who saved those children and did the right thing, God used that and in a powerful way rescued his people. I mean, you read that story, like you talk about power, like the book of Exodus, just full of it. You look through the Gospels, it's full of it. Jesus, these people doing, I mean, they're, they're driving out demons, they're anointing many sick people and healing them. See, what's hard though is that we live in a culture and a society that makes it really hard to have faith. And so a lot of times what we do is when we obey God, we obey Jesus, whatever it is, whether we feel like we need to share the, the story of Jesus with someone that we know, whether it means to, to pray for someone who's sick for healing or whatever, we, we kind of do two things oftentimes. Now, the first things that we do, like instead of just obeying Jesus and taking these, these words, these, the wisdom, the works of mercy like he was doing When he went into his hometown, instead of doing that, what we do is we default to feel like we need to defend God. So instead of actually sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with other people, we end up coming up with all these arguments that even if someone believed, it still wouldn't make them a follower of Jesus. Right? Like I I grew up in a small town uh, where people felt like they needed to defend Jesus even from other Christians a lot of times. Right? Like you had big arguments about how old the earth was like it matters, I don't know, you know? Like, you'd have big arguments about whether you can eat or drink different stuff. And it was even different Christians fighting with each other about this, these silly things that didn't matter. But they felt like they had to defend God because really that's easier to do than to trust that God's power is going to work through you by sharing the gospel. So that's the first thing we often do. Another thing that we often do is we have to think like if we think we have a really big problem in front of us. We think we have to come up with a solution that's just as drastic as the problem that we're facing. Right? Like like, like we saw, we see this all the time, like uh, here's a great example. Um, there's a parable that I read recently. A guy, a guy wrote this, his name is Wendell Berry. He was a philosopher and theologian. Uh, did a lot about you know, God's creation and, and stuff. And he talked about he went out and uh, he wanted to dig a pond on his farm that was on the side of this hill so that he could water all of his crops. So he went out uh, with a tractor and he, and he dug a pond and he, and he dug this big hole, filled up with water and everything was working great. But then, uh, the because it was on a hill and it got too saturated, uh, the whole thing washed away. So all the water, the whole pond went away. And so immediately what he started doing was he started calling engineers, he started calling like all these like all these people to see if they could come fix the problem. He said, hey, I'll, I'll pay whatever you need. Come in, bring your biggest bulldozers. This is a huge problem. So like, let's make the solution as big as we can, just as big as the problem, bring them in. And he kept bringing it in. And then, and then eventually he, uh, they kept coming in. And they said, hey, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, he said, no, this is going to work. This is a big problem. I got a big solution. So then eventually he called in like, like an environmental sci- scientist to look at it and kind of take measurements of everything. He looked at it and the guy said, hey, the only way this is going to work is if you just start planting stuff on it, and over the course of about 75 to 100 years, eventually you'll be able to, to have a pond here again. And what was hard was, that was a solution, that was the only solution, that was the right solution that worked, but oftentimes we want the quick, big, fast, easy fix, and so for a lot of us, we know that there's a situation in our life, maybe it's someone we love, that we, that we want to know Jesus, maybe it's we're so concerned about our country and our government that we feel like we have to do something big and have a rally and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe so. But when we're faced with problems that we know only the power of God can change, it's hard to believe that prayers are just as powerful. Like it's hard to believe that just simply obeying Jesus and taking the words, the wisdom, and the works of mercy that Jesus did to people actually will work right like what's the first thing we do when we see a huge Facebook post that flies in the face of everything we believe in if you're like me you start doing a bunch of research and you think I'm going to give them a solution that's just as big as what they just posted and then I don't and I put it in my Evernote file said updates slash comments that I almost posted and I'll wait a week I'll wait a week, and if I read it and it makes sense, I'll still post it. But typically, I haven't done that yet. So, I haven't done it. But typically, the solution to the problem, the kingdom solution to the problem, is not as big as the problem. At least, it's not as drastic. But it's just as powerful, if not more powerful, definitely more powerful. But it's hard for us to believe that prayer actually works, isn't it? Like, it's hard to believe That just simply saying that Jesus loved someone and they died and he died for their sins and that he rose from the grave making new life possible, it's hard to believe that that little statement is just as powerful of a life apart from God, isn't it? Man, the kingdom of God, the power of God is real, just like these average people went out and did the things Jesus told them to do. So, as we close today, I hope. Kids, thanks for sticking in there. I was going to shoot for 15 minutes. I even laughed at myself this morning. There's no way. But uh, uh, let me just ask you, maybe one of those three surprises, maybe that's something that surprised you as you're sitting there listening to it. I mean, even hearing that, that the kingdom is modest, maybe that kind of frees you up a little bit, thinking like, man, I don't have to be a part of some, huge move of God in order to be obedient. And maybe maybe our job is to prayerfully awaken a revival for the next generation, parents. Man, maybe hearing that a surprise of the kingdom is that the people are average, maybe that frees you up. Man, good, I can just be a parent and obey God and do good stuff for him. And man, I can go to my job I can, be an, I can be a normal person and make a big difference in the lives of people for the glory of God. Absolutely. Man, I hope that frees you up today. And I hope the gospel, the power of the kingdom, the power of the gospel being real frees you up and encourages you to take that step. Maybe God's been put on your heart to go on one of those trips to the Dominican Republic with us. And maybe God's been put on your heart just to walk next door with a plate of cookies and, and just make someone feel loved. Maybe God's calling you to, to, to serve in, in students or in kids or something, and just that step of faith that's hard to believe that just an act in, of obedience in the kingdom of God actually makes a difference. Man, no, the power of the kingdom is real. Just like the disciples went out and what Jesus called them to do came and was accomplished. And what's that thing Jesus is calling you to? Man, what, what, what is that thing? Maybe it frees you up. So let me, let me pray for us today. And as I pray... I'm just going to take just a second, kids, we do this up here sometimes. This, this might be the most boring part. We're just going to have a few seconds of silence where we just ask God, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask God right now just to speak to us and see if he's calling us to something where we need to trust that his power is real. Or maybe that, that for the first time you can breathe, knowing that just who you are is good enough for God. That it's okay just to, just to be yourself and be an average human. Let me pray for us and ask God what he's putting on our hearts individually and then I'll, I'll close this out in prayer and we'll continue in worship. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth when you were in heaven you humbled yourself, you came to earth, you served people, you loved people, you died on the cross to pay for our sins, and you rose from the grave, making it possible for us to live a life with you now and then forever with you. And so Jesus is all of us in the room, as we think through, I mean, what's that thing that you're calling us to do? Maybe it's just praying for someone that we know. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with someone. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. Maybe it's whatever it is. I don't know. Jesus, whatever it is you're putting on our hearts, I pray you make it make it clear. And then Jesus, as we obey you, make your power real and known to us. Because we know that the power of your resurrection lives in us right now through your Holy Spirit. So Jesus, let us let us know that. Let us know your and feel your presence. And Jesus, thank you so much for all the kids in this room. They did great today. And so, Jesus, thank you for them. Thank you that we can just be ourselves and you love us enough to still be with us. It's in your name we pray, amen.